the Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and friends. Welcome to the show. This is another episode of The Boys of Tech, New Zealand's longest running tech podcast. This is episode number 354 for the week commencing Monday the 19th of October 2015. Not much left of the year. Man, that went quick. My name is Edwin Herman here at the studio in Wellington and joining me across a Skype link down to the South Island of, the, of New Zealand in Christchurch is my co-host, Kim Farrer. Hi, Edwin. Hi, everyone. Hey, it's good to have <laughs> you along. Uh, how's the South Island going? Oh, it's pretty good. It's pretty windy today, but not too bad. It's warming up. It's fine think, warming up down here. Yeah. Do you think Christchurch could outwind Wellington? Well, actually, the last few, like in the last week, it's had a lot of wind. Yeah, I think it was up to 140 kilometers per hour or something at, at times wow. kind of thing 140 that okay all right that i, I was mean, gonna say we, like warnings i don't think it hit quite hit here but in some places i mean it's probably the same up there well i was going to challenge you to a wind off <laughs> but i think <laughs> that sounds weird doesn't it uh but i think you might win that one I, I, yeah. 146 I, I don't know what we got up to i'd have to check it out but 146 is is pretty yeah. That's what I heard. I don't know if it actually did get to that, but I heard it was going to be strong the, the other week, and it was definitely strong winds today. Wow. Right. Well, anyway, what have we got in the way of stories? I wanted to kick off with the story about. Uh, I think people are going to either love or hate this. It's a new device that allows you to kind of shoot drones out of the air, but you're not really shooting them with bullets or anything physical. What you're doing is using a device called a drone defender, and it renders drones inoperable. It it effectively disables them, causing them to stop their flight and, and uh, you know, come back down to terra firma. So there are people out there who really don't like drones in and around their personal space, which is understandable. Some have even gone to the extreme measures of shooting drones with a gun, uh, as happened in Kentucky not long ago. Uh, a man took exception to a drone that was buzzing around and he shot it. And, <laughs> and obviously... Target practice. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. And obviously, you know, smashed it to smithereens. The owner wasn't too happy, but of course, you know, I, I can see both sides. And anyway, this thing here is a nice, uh, if you like, non-destructive way of disabling a drone. What do you think, Kim? Yeah, I think it's pretty good. I mean, I think it's just for prisons or you kind of think restricted areas where they don't want people spying on them kind of thing. So I guess those kind of people, because the reality is most I mean, I don't know about the States or anything, but here, you know, like the chances of having a drone flying around and me having a drone defender are pretty slim. <laughs> what, so, you, mean, you, you mean you don't carry a drone defender around in your back pocket? Yeah. 
<laughs> rushing out to buy one. But I can see, yeah, I can see where we're places where they have high security and and that kind of thing where they don't want, you know, it's a it's a perfect opportunity to snoop around or like like it said to uh, bring in drugs or something for the, you know, in the prisons. Yeah, no, you, you you're quite right. I think your average person won't have a drone defender lying around but you know as you as you pointed out the the places where this is going to be useful are things like prisons airports uh, other areas where security is you know maybe even at events it, it may even be um sporting events or music you know concert events that kind of thing where they where people might be inclined to fly drones into the venue from typically from outside the venue and you know that's, I think, a great sort of use case, if you like. Your average yeah. individual, as you quite rightly point out, Kim, is not going to have a drone defender, unless perhaps you're that man in Kentucky that shot it, exactly. shot one with a gun. Really <laughs> Actually, that's a really good idea for your concert, pre-concert. What do you mean? You know, like to fly your drone in and you can watch Pink Floyd for free. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah I, thought you, meant, I awesome. thought you meant the drone defender would be awesome. Uh, no. Well, you know, well, it depends whose side you're on, exactly. I mean, if you're wanting to get a free <laughs> concert, then yeah, that's cool. If you're the concert organiser and you don't want these things buzzing around or it, it you know, poses a, a health and safety risk, then yeah, the drone defender's a great idea. <laughs> and I think there have been cases where People have flown them into areas, well, there's lots of cases where people have flown them into areas they shouldn't have. I think sporting events is one. The other, Another one that comes to mind is uh, in um, you know where, where emergency services are attending a scene, whether it's a fire or an ambulance scene or something, and some nosy parker who's got, who's got a drone you know, flying too close to the scene. In fact, I watched a video not long ago of a house well ablaze, multiple fire appliances had you know were attending and this person i don't know who it was but this individual decides to fly his or her drone over and above this house to film you know to get a good shot of it and it was really annoying the the firefighters and so of course they shoot it down with their hoses <laughs> and that was the end of that yeah what's your stance on drones would it would it bother you if a drone was sort of buzzing around your property, even if it's not in your property, but above the sort of perimeter fence, uh, would that yeah, sort of it probably you? would, especially if it was hanging around for a while. Like it's different if it was just flying over, but if it was flying around the house and that, yeah, I, yeah, I probably would be. It'd be like what what I would thinking is is that someone's casing the place out for maybe a burglary or something. But well, that's yeah, the thing. Concern me. Yeah, I mean that's exactly the thing. You don't know who's flying this. You don't know who's flying yeah. it, and who, you know, are they trustworthy? What's their uh, reason for for doing that? Mm. I have seen actually some footage that has been done by drones, you know, and it does can look amazing as well. So, yeah, there is some really really good footage, and you know, this is the thing. I mean, I think there needs to be common sense factor here, you know. It, by all means, fly them up in the hills and take some beautiful scenery, maybe even up above a city, you know, but well above the city and take aerial shots. I think that's okay. But flying them around people's apartment balconies and, uh, you know, over people's houses, I, I just don't think is a very wise thing to do. Mm, I agree. Mm. 
So, yeah, there you go, the drone defender. It was only time, really, that before something like this was going to be created, right? Yeah, I think so, too. It does, it, it does look really dorky, though. Like, just the, you know, it's just like an antenna, but the guy uses it like a gun. <laughs> yeah, it does kind of look... <laughs> kind of stupid. It's like a Ghostbusters thing or something. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, it would look kind of weird if you saw a security guard pull out one of these things. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It does kind of look out of this world. Now, Kim, I don't know if you ever have this problem of not, quite knowing when you need to go to the loo but there's a new device out i'm trying to say this with a straight face there's a new device out from well guess where japan which straps onto your tummy and it tells you uh when you need to go to the loo in fact it gives you a an eta <laughs> what do you make of this? <laughs> it's technology. Like you say, only in Japan. <laughs> it's completely yeah, I, I mean, I'm guessing like for just for medical patients and things, I mean, people with problems. But yeah, just yeah, I don't know why any normal person would need that. Yeah, yeah, your average person, I, I don't know. I mean, may, maybe you're giving a speech or something, and, and it says you know 40 minutes before you need to go to the loo, so you kind of know that you've got 40 minutes worth of speech left before you need to, you know, duck out backstage. I don't know. It's it's really st- strange. Uh, beyond what you said, which is, you know, people who have, you know, m- medical conditions where, you know, this would be helpful. But for your average person, I- I'm, I'm, not sh- I'm not sure why. It's almost like a solution looking for a problem or yeah, because, because we can, one of those sort of things, you know. Yeah, have you seen that? I'm trying to enlarge the photo on this, the uh, um, the story because the pants look totally, totally weird. It just looks like some superhero pants. I don't quite make it out because I know it's just talking about like a um, a sensor that they put in your stomach, but it's got a picture of some pants. I don't know. It just looks very weird. Yeah, I, I don't quite understand the whether it's a separate thing or whether it's built into the pants, but it was – anyway, it was presented at the Combined Exhibition of Advanced Technologies in Tokyo, which would, would be a fantastic exhibition to go to. Yeah, I reckon. The amazing, all the inventions and, yeah, upcoming things you never get yeah. to see. Yeah, especially, you know, Japan being, you know – they're really, really good at this sort of stuff. And, and you get all sorts of weird and wacky things out of Japan. But, you know, a few of them do have their uses. Yeah, well, maybe. Maybe in a few years' time it might be handy. <laughs> and we'll be looking back going, how on earth did we ever get on back in the old days? I know. We had to, we had to we work can... out for ourselves when we had to go to the toilet. <laughs> And you know how, like, we just, like, remember back and we had this conversation and we talked about it on the Boys of Tech, like, can you imagine, like, what would be the, what would be the use of that? And, you know? And now look at us. We all have them. (laughs) Somehow I can't quite see it happening, Kim. I really can't. But anyway, there we go. Uh, The toilet device, what's what's it actually called? It's called uh, uh, the D-Free. Oh, I didn't Mm, actually It's called the D-Free. Yeah, and it's mostly for <laughs> number two as well. See, so that's that's kind of interesting. I thought it might be just you know on your bladder, but no. Oh, is it actually for number twos? Yeah. Number, oh yeah, you're right. It is. Yeah. It's for number, 
<laughs> oh my god! Okay, this is crazier than I thought. <laughs> I can't believe the story. I can't even believe we're doing the story. I think we should move on to yeah, something else. Let's talk about the, the Lego caravan. The, uh, Guinness World Records have just awarded the world record to the largest caravan built with interlocking plastic bricks, i.e. Lego in this case. And uh, so that the award's gone to a functional or mostly functional life-size caravan built from Lego bricks, 215,150 of them to be precise. Pretty cute. Oh, it is amazing, isn't it? it? What you can build out of Lego, you can build real things, life-size things out of Lego, but really, you know, I think it doesn't serve for any specific specific purpose, does it? I mean, you're not yeah. going to use this thing. No. It's another, it's another because we can. Yeah, it is. And there's, I mean, there's lots of Lego, Lego things that I, I mean, I don't, I'm not really into it, but I mean that they've made over time, but it's pretty cool. What's the biggest thing you've built out of Lego? I haven't built anything big. But I did when we, me and my friend, when we were young, she had Lego and we used to make these Lego cars and we used to smash them up like till they smash, like derby kind of like smash them together and then we'd build oh, yeah. them stronger and stronger till they, yeah, didn't really fall apart. But hey, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I like that. it is cool. It's nice to do. Like, yeah, as like I said, so I didn't have Lego, but definitely, you know, played with it when I was a kid. It was good fun. What yeah, about you? It, well, I haven't really built anything particularly big, to be honest. I, I, I probably the, I don't know, probably the something the size of, uh, I don't know, a uh, a size this big. <laughs> this doesn't work on an audio <laughs> podcast. I don't know the size of. I'm just trying to think. What is the size of like an old-fashioned telephone? Oh, okay, size. right, okay, that's pretty big. Like a, a small toaster or a mini toaster or something, something that size. Yeah. Although with Duplo, I kind of built uh, the. Or was that Lego? No, I think it was Duplo, which is made by Le- you know same company. Bigger bricks though. I built just a s- stack, one brick on top of the other, as high as I could go, and I think it was something like only two centimeters short of the ceiling. There was this tiny. Oh wow! You could just slip your hand through. It was amazing. Got a photo. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, you know, memories. No, no, no. This this was only a, a few years ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yes, I must confess. Actually, it is actually quite funny because I went to one of my friend's house and they had a friend that had some stuff in storage and he had this big plane. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this guy is 30 and he's got a big plane, you know, made of Lego. So, you, you, yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I think there's – Yep, definitely. There's uh, there's a lot of adults that, that still like Lego. And, you know, when you have kids, of course, it's a great excuse to get back into some of the things that, you know, you still, that you never really grew out of, like, like Lego and electric trains and things like that. All right, Steve Barmer has taken or purchased a 4% stake in Twitter. So he owns more of Twitter than the CEO of Twitter. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And he only owns 4%. Yeah, uh, he is the third largest individual investor, I believe. I think no, I think I've got that right. Um, his stake is worth eight hundred million dollars, based on Twitter's valuation of twenty-one billion. 
Yeah. That's just crazy. So the only two people who have a larger stake is uh, the co-founder Evan Williams and the Saudi billionaire Prince Alwaleed bin Talal. And, uh, well, there you go. I've got no shares in Twitter. How much of Twitter do you own, Kim? No, I don't own anything. But it, it. it just No, it just blows me away how big those figures are. 800 million for 4%. I know. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's... That's insane. Well, there you go. Steve Barmer, he's slightly crazy, I think. Developers, 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 developers. That's all I can see now when I see his face. You must remember the clip? No, I don't know. Ah, I'll have to send it to you. Anyway, last – oh, no, that was, was that our last story? No, we've got one more. Hold on. What haven't we done? Oh, we do. Uh, New York taxis. Oh, New York Taxis. Okay. Yeah. yeah let's, let's do that. Okay, let's do that. New York Taxis are to trial GPS-based meters on a 1,000 taxi cabs. Now, it may surprise you or it may not surprise you. I don't know. But taxi meters are not or have not been GPS-based. They're based on physical properties of the car, such as, you know, a wheel going around. I don't know why we haven't used GPS earlier, but there you go. I think it's just a step in the right direction. It, it kind of makes sense. And I, in, as I say, in my case, I'm kind of questioning why we haven't, why we didn't do this like 10, 15, maybe even 20 years ago. Yeah, I guess maybe the technology as well. Maybe they just didn't have, oh, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not too sure. But then you've had the GPSs, so yeah, I'm not too sure. They're going to trial them first against, uh, cla- you know, classic m- meters, you know, the standard issue meters first and just make sure that they do in the real world you know give similar you know similar results similar readings and uh, then they're going to plan the rollout yeah it'll be interesting to see if they are similar I mean what happens if the GPS is more accurate as far as quicker routes and things like that so people aren't making as much money It'll be interesting. Well, the GPS is only for the meter. It's not, you know, this is separate from GPS for for, for mapping directions. Mm. This is just uh, for determining the distance that you've travelled. So the thing that blew, blew me away, though, was how many taxis are there in New York City? The answer is 13,500. Yeah, that's a that's lot so of taxis. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, so GPS-based taxi meters, uh, yeah, as I say, Makes sense to me. I can't see. The only thing I do wonder is what happens if you're in a tunnel. Well, I guess that's a good point. But um, I guess when you come out the other end, it's going to find you. But what if you want to get out of the taxi in a tunnel? I don't know if you can do that. But what would that do? Uh, yeah, you could be right. Yeah, if there is a yeah, if there's a, the tunnel, you want to go from the tunnel from England to France. <laughs> really. <laughs> Really cheap fare. <laughs> yeah. It starts charging you until you get to the tunnel and then it's free from there on. And I'd like yeah, to get well, out just the before the end of the tunnel, please, taxi, to <laughs> Mr. Taxi Driver. <laughs> yeah, wow, well, that's a good point. I mean, they, they, I'm sure that they've kind of thought of that or um, yeah, I, I, even, yeah, even I, if there are some tunnels, they might not be that big. So it's just like, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I guess if it loses connection, what happens to your – 
oh, I can't think of the word. You know what I mean? What happens to your bill or what, to does, the that, fear. what does happen? Yeah. yeah, to the fear. Yeah. Well, well, that's the thing. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I said tunnel, you know, to give a, a sort of an absurd situation, but you're absolutely right. Uh, it, it, you know, it can lose connection for whatever reason or, you know, satellite, you know, it can't see enough satellites from its current position based on buildings, especially in New York and things like that is, you know, uh, what, you know, what would it do? I, I don't know, but I guess it, it can only work out better for the customer. So at least from a consumer point of view, you're not likely to be overcharged, but yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Kim. Well, that was it. I think we've done our, our stories for the week. Yeah. Thanks, Edwin. No, thank you. Thank and good. we'll do it again another time. Definitely. And you, you look after that South Island of the country, okay? <laughs> you look after that South Island with the wind. We'll do. With the wind, yeah. That windy Ooh, South well, Island. Yeah. Because you're, you're stealing our position for, you know, windiest place in the country. Well, we can't have that. I don't think, I don't think we want that. <laughs> yeah, you probably don't want that. You can keep that. <laughs> okay. All right. Kim, I want to thank you very much for co-hosting episode 354. Oh, thank you. All right. Thank you very much. We'll do it again next time. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. See you again next time. Till then, goodbye.